Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Irvine, California. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist, and I am the exhibitions coordinator for Marking Time, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration on Tour Now. And I'm Chef Rodney. I am a a critic and the opinions editor at the Hyperallergic Online Magazine. And I'm coming to you from Newburgh, New York. This is to remind our listeners that we practice a form of what we like to call intellectual intimacy, which is giving each other the space and time to figure out things out loud and together. Uh, and so today we're going to wrap up our conversation. You know, we mentioned last time that uh, we were going to revisit affirmative action. So we're going to wrap that up and then transition to some uh, talk about self-care, um, which uh, Stephen's going to open up for us and, and we'll go from there. So. Seth, I think the last point when we were going back and forth is I had made the claim that uh, you could, one could be against affirmative action and not uh, de facto racist. Not to say that there aren't racists that are opposed to affirmative action, but that one could be opposed to it and not be racist. And you were skeptical of that. Yeah, um, but and I'm, said I'm, you I'm, wanted to to revisit it. So yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm actually not that skeptical about it now. I mean, I I, I mean, mm. I, I I would imagine if I can sort of anticipate. What the argument would be, it would, the argument is that uh, against affirmative action is that um, w- w- I should say the argument against affirmative action, parentheses that is non-racist, is that affirmative action could uh, lead to a cycle of dependency on policies that do not ultimately help to construct a, a genuine meritocracy. Mm. Um, right? Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's probably one of the arguments. I, I also think, you know, there's the the argument that you just have to stretch out a generation or two, you know, and then assume that the very best thing to do for a historically oppressed underclass is to level the playing field and then let their natural you know, sort of genius and capabilities, you know, allow them to achieve something. I mean, this would be a pretty straight ahead conservative argument, mm-hmm. you know, that, that I may not get on board with, but, you know, isn't, uh, you know, isn't necessarily invested in, you know, a permanent racial ha- a hierarchy. So, Right. I mean, and, and, you know, the flaw in that argument is that, um, and here I want to reference the 1619 project, um, the problem with that argument um, uh, is that, as the 1619 Project showed, there's a, there are very few areas of civic life, um, very few, where racial discrimination does not play a role, right? We're talking mm-hmm. like healthcare, education, um, the judicial system, prisons, um, uh, employment. There are, like, yeah, there are arguments against that, though. I mean, there. I mean that that the 1619 project and those arguments in general misrepresent um, the severity of the structural bias that is in place against non-white Americans. 
No, fair. Uh, and fair. And we can go back and, and forth and, on, on severity, but I think, but you know, I think. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that it takes time to redress that historical iniquity and that right. we are a good long way towards, towards achieving that. I, I think you and I would be closer uh, in our opinions on that. I think that clearly, um, we're pretty far <laughs> in certain areas. So, you know, so I don't, I don't, I don't even need to take up the other side. I'm just saying that, that all of these things, like there are people of good faith that would be on the other side of this that are not invested in, you know, uh, that don't need to be labeled as racist, that don't need to be, um, you know, denigrated or shamed, big scarlet R painted on their chest and, ostracized from polite society um but, but they might not be right but, but that's all but but to be fair travis because i think what you're doing is kind of positing a straw person uh, who who does that ever happen to who do, whoever gets labeled with a scarlet r oh is racist i mean so many people in Wait, no no, no sorry let me let me let me revise that who gets labeled with a scarlet r who doesn't deserve it yeah, I would say that David Brooks is probably not racist. I don't agree with David Brooks. Who but calls, who calls David Brooks racist? Oh, come on. I, 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 okay, so let me let 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 me say I'm going to put a pin in that because I cannot, as as we did last time when we spoke, I cannot summon the. I I guarantee you, <laughs> if I spent less than an hour, <laughs> I would be able to find someone that described David Brooks' opinions as racist. No, but right, but let's let's. As a, his opinions versus him, are they oh, I, either? Okay, I mean people use it in a very sloppy way, right? But, but I mean, so I but but let's, so I think it would not be difficult, right? But let's let's Barack ref- Obama was called racist, for yeah, 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 yeah. But let's ref- okay. So there's let's, another. So let's so let's toss away David Brooks. No, and no, just no, no, no. Take Barack Obama. No, 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 no. I, not necessarily, but I just want to refine our method here. When you say, I mean, because it's not a, it's, it's pretty low hanging fruit. It's not hard to find someone to call anyone a racist. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm sure that Dr. Umar, what's his name? Dr. Umar? Yeah. Umar I'm sure guy. if you looked up Umar, he's, he's called everyone a racist. Like, you know, I'm sure he's called, um, I'm sure he's called our podcast racist. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Saying like, it's not, that, <laughs> that's not, that's not. Uh, that I doesn't know, rise that, to the level actually, of legitimacy, right? So it's and that's uh, not actually what I mean. So what I'm saying, just here's what I'm saying, Travis. It's just, can you find someone in the mainstream press who's called David Brooks racist, or someone? Okay, else so from, let's let's take a Barack Obama then, since I, uh, if I remember correctly, Cornell West called him. He did a racist, if I remember correctly. Ooh. I, I mean, he certainly, Ooh. and and if it wasn't Cornell West, he certainly has been described as. The house version, oh, of, of uh, house, of course, house, house yeah, nizzle. Yes. Yeah, yes, thank <laughs> okay. you. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for the assist. So, <laughs> so, so the, it, the it, yeah, I mean, the the thing is that I feel like, and you know, and I I I don't want to go too far into this because I want to make sure to give um, some time to to Stephen's topic, um, but I I do feel like. The idea that 
people who make arguments. I mean, let's just take Ibrahim Kendi, for example. Mm-hmm. According to Ibrahim Kendi, who could was just, taken quite... Could you just tell the listeners who, who he is? Yeah. Just remind so us. So Ibrahim Kendi is, is, the, is the originator of the idea... Um, or the popularizer of the idea, he didn't originate the idea, the popularizer of the idea that if there are two possibilities, you can either be anti-racist or racist, mm-hmm. that that basically public policy falls into one of these two um, uh, descriptions. Okay. So either a policy can uh, be geared toward dismantling uh, the historical legacy of racism, or it is perpetuating it, period, that's it. Okay. Um, and in his formulation, and he has taken quite seriously, uh, which he, he just think, won the Genius Prize, the MacArthur Grant. Yeah, here. which unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, uh, undermines the value of that prize in my eyes because his his work is is juvenile. Like I mean, th- this this idea that you can parse the complexities of a 300-year-old society with 350 million people and a variety of psychologies and experiences Mm -hmm. into two fundamentalist camps of racist or anti-racist, or that you can can take policies that are meant to target a variety of of outcomes and deal with a variety of problems Mm -hmm. as either racist or anti-racist is like an eight-year-old that says, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Like that, that's what, that, that's, my son asks me all the time in movies, this morally gray character. Well, are they a good guy or a bad guy? So that's just Ibrahim Kendi sitting on my shoulder go, is he a racist or an anti-racist? Mm-hmm. Like that, it's, it, it is an absolutely absurd schema to take seriously. So here's the thing about you. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, I don't. I, I don't make friends easily. Is that what you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here comes Travis at the cocktail party. Get, uh, gets along well with others. Uh, <laughs> friends opinions. for life. Um, um, when you when you make these points, you tend to you tend to do them in threes. Like you said, like your first thing you said was it was juvenile, and then you gave the anecdote about your son, and then you said it was absurd. So yeah. I, I, just, I just I just want to point out like well, when, cool. you're, when you're <laughs> when you're really mad about something, like you 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 eviscerate it. Like you 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 go back for seconds and then for thirds. So you know. Okay. So it's. It's it's a you got to throw combinations right. If you're in a fight, are you right? aware, jab, jab, are you aware <laughs> of your jab, jab, cross? Are you aware of your strategy <laughs> that you do that? Um, uh, no, but when Sept when Sept describes it, that sounds right to me. Like I'm not consciously aware. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. sort of like, but but I definitely do know when I f- when I start when that that feeling of indignation starts to rise in my chest mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. there's that kind of concatenation that that comes out so I I, I buy it that makes sense mm-hmm. uh, so yeah anyway so I think I think that <clears throat> just to, to round it off so mm-hmm. so we can transition mm-hmm. that's it I just think I, I think that it doesn't you know we can refine the, the targets of of criticism right. here mm-hmm. but that 
But that as a country, as a culture, as a society, it is a low point for thinking about complex problems and that we have retreated to what I would consider essentially fundamentalist categories of sinner and saved. I mean, this is what essentially anti-racist and racist is. Like you are either saved and you know the gospel and the truth, or (laughs) you are a sinner and are not yet saved but can be saved, right? Because Kindy can come to your school for $20,000 and he can anoint all of you can I, in the doctrine yeah. and you will be enlightened. Yeah, so so there's, I'm not that familiar with, um, with his positions and, uh, and, his, uh, and his book. A book or books? I don't, I no, don't books. He's got books. No, he's got books. Yeah, so yeah, a friend of mine who wants okay. me to read them and I just go, ah, I got other stuff to read right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, you're way but, but, smarter than him. You don't need to read any of it. <laughs> My ego loves that, but I mean, it's I'm, a, I'm, yeah, I know what you're I'm, saying. <laughs> I'm completely serious. I am completely serious. I do. I do want to say this. Um, it reminds the way it's being. You've talked about it at least. I haven't heard other people say describe his work in this way, but it does remind me of the um, the rhetoric around Leonard Jeffries back in the '90s. Do you remember this? I remember Leonard um, Jeffries. I was in Ohio then, but I was reading about what was going on in New York with the culture wars around that time. So, right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was around the time my sister soldier was like appearing on, um, wow. TV shows like and yeah, Donahue. Don- Donahue. Donahue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, which she, I don't think she ever was on Oprah, but they, um, shows like that. Sally, Jesse, Raphael. Um, and Leonard Jeffries, the way that my college professor, my uh, anthropology professor, um, Professor Hitman, describe him to me or describe his work to me was that he was basically making an argument for there being ice people and fire people and they'd be ice people <laughs> no yeah that was that was it seriously and, and i met leonard seriously. much later what about the steam people oh my god <laughs> what about the um let's see no the same one it's not it's not partially a solid and partially a it's not a liquid a plasma? plasma i would rather be plasma <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so, um, yeah, let's talk about self care. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I th- yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, so whatever. So th- it's we. Yeah, I think we we figured that one out. So yeah, it's yeah. it's possible. Maybe maybe that person has a harder, t- tougher hill to climb to convince. You know, add, um, either one of us. I'd add one more thing to the affirmative mm. action. Oh, please, Stephen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, I think I might have said it on air last time, which is. It's not solely about race. It's never been solely about race, but it's been used as a race cudgel to do a lot of different things that have us right. have arguments like this, sometimes of which really mm-hmm. don't connect to the origins of it because we're talking about disability, gender, we're talking about a number of things. And so, mm-hmm. but it's been definitely, it was used to, um, as, as a racial thing for the most part. And when I started becoming more aware of that, I was like, oh shit, sometimes we're having conversations that really don't matter or they're being used to push policies on people by saying that blacks are getting ahead because Rufus down the street is getting a job in the wall street journal <laughs> and some poor white mm-hmm. guy's not getting a job because of him. And it never happened that way ever. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, so, I do want to, I just, I do want to add to that because I did read that and I want, and I actually thought of it and, and thank you for bringing it up, Stephen, because I, I thought of it and then I forgot it. But mm-hmm. actually, the, the first time the, the term is used is actually in connection with what's called the Wagner Act, which was adopted, I think, in the 60s 
um, specifically mm-hmm. setting up dealing with employment discrimination. It set up the National Relations Board and empowered it to um, uh, essentially counteract the uh, capricious or arbitrary actions of employers. Um, and, and specifically, the act addressed the, um, the, the circumstance of a worker being discriminated against, taken out of a position or demoted or fired. And the term is used, affirmative action, to, uh, specifically in the, in the case of when that happens, the Labor Relations Board is empowered under the act to with do with affirmative action to re, to reinsert that employee Basically into reinstate the person. yes yeah. into uh, yeah. so that's where that comes from so thank you for um for bringing that up yeah Steve. and and I, I i appreciate that too it was if we're going to you know if we're going to actually give a more substantive response to from I, I think the thing that really pisses conservatives off about it and the thing that really rankles um Americans of, of a certain disposition uh, about affirmative action is that you, it really it really fucks with the idea of the bootstrap thing. And Americans have had a very difficult time um, dealing with historical contingency. And it is just dumb luck that you were born, you know, into a family or into a time and place where you had the opportunities that you had. And so affirmative action itself might seem um, capricious, right? It might seem, as in Stevens, you know, kind of example, this that he said, you know, literally never happened anywhere, you know, that someone without uh, merit is just kind of placed into a position. I might be a little bit more skeptical of that than Steven, but I certainly take, take your point. Um, when people talk about people who don't belong somewhere because they don't have the quality, I noticed mm-hmm. that that's largely um, nepotism. I've noticed that is people who just fail up. I know several mm-hmm. people who yeah. run institutions that's- that I've worked with and went, oh, no, this person is black and terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is not affirmative action. This is just mm-hmm. some nonsense that allows the structure allows people like that to be mm-hmm. in charge mm-hmm. of other people who have no mm-hmm. skill sets. Or the mm-hmm. skill sets to do that yeah. work, but they have something that that particular culture wants, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. being famous or valuable in some ways. And like, yeah, so I see more of that than I see um, like the woman down the street, like I said, and she comes up and she goes, I want to be president of IBM. It's not happening. It's never happened. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, so please right, stop. Right. You know. Yeah. No, I think I think I think that's exactly I think it really it offends people's sensibilities that so much of where we are is just chance. It's just chance. You just you got you got lucky. Mm, at, you at, know, somebody, at, somebody someone was able to get you a job. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 So. OK. All right. Cool. Uh, so. um all right, so we're going to transition to self-care, um, which mm-hmm. came... So the reason that this came up as a topic, I mean, not that it's not a valuable topic on its own, but mm-hmm. um, we were settling on what we were going to talk about this week, um, and Stephen ha- had a tough week, and said <laughs> that he to talk about something. Yeah. <laughs> Poor me. It's just like, I just pushed a sound effect button or something. <laughs> the, uh, um, and, you know, so wanted to talk about something lighter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then we mentioned that, you know, or I mentioned that, you know, we had said that we would revisit this topic. So anyway, so this is where the idea of self-care came from. So, um, Stephen, did you, you want to kind of take us into how you want to. So thank you for um, setting it up that way. I think, um, so there's several, when, when I hear self-care, two thoughts come to mind immediately. And one is that it's a genuine 
um, reaction to living in a culture where you're expected to work all the time or to always be on your grind. I love that. And the second one is capitalism that has really capitalized on people's um, vulnerabilities and responses to. And so they, you know, you, um, you have folks who are um, taking advantage of people who are tired or are looking for community. And it becomes a racket. You know, it's always a racket. I think I, I just I don't love it, but I love it in the sense that people who are willing to make money are willing to do anything else to other people. And so even when you're in your tired, you're like, oh, I'm so exhausted about this and that or whatever. There is a there is there are so many enterprises looking for you to say you can feel better by you can do this. If you were just if you would just get up every morning at 5 a.m. and do 30 hours of yoga every day, you'd be OK. <laughs> and so the reason why I'm bringing this up largely is because of conspirituality, this podcast I've mentioned before. And they go after mm-hmm. these um, these gurus and talk about these influencers with a lot of care. Like they really think about the origin of this person. They follow them on social media. They talk to them if they can. And I'm amazed when I say self-care. Every almost every single term that comes into fashion as of recent, I, I want to discard it. I just dis, disregard it, and I also want to discard it because I want some fresher language that doesn't lead me back to enterprise or capitalism. And for mm. me, it was just a matter of too many court cases right now, too many school shootings, too many you know stuff that's happened in the news. But also, mm. I mentioned as I mentioned um, in the last note that there are people around me who are seriously ill. And being mm-hmm. present with them emotionally has been, um, it, it's, it weighs on my soul, you know? And so I, I don't want to be the person that goes, oh, you're sick. I'll see you later. You know, I want to be present with you as much as I can. So mm-hmm. there are times when we're talking about things on the podcast could be really heavy. And I go, oh, I got to do this now. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I was, as you were, you know, as you were um, doing the transition and I went, because <laughs> Uh, I have to mock myself because there are people going through a hell of a lot more than what I'm dude. My life is fine. Even when it's not fine, Mm. my life is fine. But there are times when I just need to decompress. And um, I was so happy that stuff wasn't able to record yesterday because I was able to, Oh, cool. I could just lay down for a minute. Um, But I think that self care, I'm still searching for a phrase to replace that one. is so critical and not in a sort of self fish way. But just that you if you take care of yourself, it's so much. Mm-hmm. I think when I take care of myself, I'm so much more available to other people. When I'm not taking care of myself, I I withdraw. I'm not the type of person when I'm sick that you um, that I want you to call me or come over and nurse me. I'm like, leave me alone. Just leave me alone. You know, so I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of energy I have. But I yeah, I just needed some self-care work and some something lighter, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though I mean we start yeah, we're okay. I'm a, I'm fine. Sorry. Yeah. So that's it. yeah, no, I fig yeah, I figured that. I didn't think yeah, I it I I don't know, I not so many things to jump into. Like uh mm-hmm. A I'm with you on the not liking self care as a term. <laughs> um and and B of course a hundred percent with you that yeah, sometimes you just want shit to be funny and relax yeah. and you know, whatever. I am of course, yeah. So I cut you off, Seth. You're about to say something. It's okay. Uh just when I hear the term self care, I always think of masturbation. Mm. That's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> That's because you're nasty. <laughs> you're just nasty. <laughs> 
You're nasty. Let's that go back boy in that nasty car. You're just nasty. <laughs> nasty boy. I am Miss Jackson, and you are nasty. Yes. <laughs> the hyperallergic HR person is listening right now. So, like, the next time you use PTO, you're like, I just need some yeah, self-care. Self, self-care around Seth. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't like the term either. And I do think that it does tend to lend itself, especially mm. on social media platforms, to some form of monetized yeah. uh, 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 address, I guess. Like, there's a way in which you can address your deficits, um, mm. personal, physical, mm. um, mental, by yoga or by yeah. um, um, waking up earlier or by yeah. um, having a, uh, 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 what is it, wheatgrass and kale smoothie in the morning, <laughs> or, you know, um, getting on a macrobiotic diet. Um, uh, you'll feel better and you'll be amazing and everything will yeah. never be sad again. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Right, like three cups of tea kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I I agree with you I, that with you both. I think that um, here's the other thing that I'm thinking about too is that mm-hmm. I think I read this piece in the New Yorker. I think there's this baseline myth that we in the overdeveloped world have mm-hmm. um, have taken on um, right. really, really, imp- very, very, very much so implicitly that we're supposed to be happy. And yeah. there's and yeah. that there may be something like really profoundly wrong about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that human beings are supposed to be happy. <sighs> so, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, so I think two things. One, I, just to to round up the care thing, is you know, it's really unfortunate that it's. I think it is all of the things that Stephen described in the kind of you know utility of go do something to take care of yourself, mm-hmm. and it really does kind of get captured by this uh, by a capitalist uh, mm-hmm. enterprise mm-hmm. Um, and people who are opportunistic. It's unfortunate, though, because, you know, care is at the root of, like, basically what makes us human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the etymology of the word is actually goes is back to a Proto-Indo-European root mm-hmm. that means to cry or scream. Okay. Mm-hmm. And from there, at, you know, it developed over the centuries into the response to the cry. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, you know, when one of our fellow monkeys cried out because it was injured or because it was deprived of something that it needed and we responded and we responded by creating a whole apparatus mm. around taking care of one another, mm-hmm. those that are disabled, right. and those that are older, mm. disabled by age or disabled by birth or by accident. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is right at the heart of it, right? So yeah. when you need self care, it's some part of yourself that's like crying out right. that mm-hmm. says like, you got to take care of something that's going on with you that you may not, you may be only dimly aware of. And so I think it's a really important and vital reflex that you would have had, uh, Stephen. It's just, 
it's hard to cut through all the noise that surrounds that stuff as all the marketing, all the advertising, all the podcasts, Mm -hmm. all the things screaming at you Mm -hmm. on how, you know, whatever snake oil or nostrum you need Mm -hmm. to attend to yourself uh, when it's probably none of those things. Um, It's really, I I didn't want that. I didn't want it to pass by. I didn't want the care thing to pass by without just remarking on that. I appreciate that. I appreciate the origin of that, you know, and thinking through that, I think, I want to say something about this notion of being happy. I think if we talk about, or if we consider that the United States of America is big on amnesia, that we're not supposed to remember a lot of shit, and that we have Mm -hmm. really a fraught relationship with our past. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, I'm not sure if you bought the book yet, um, Travis, um, The uh, Capitalist Realism by Mark Fisher, where he talks about the future's been canceled. I did. I thought you were. I I haven't read it yet, but it's sitting on my shelf. I thought that you were. And I was like, yes, I can talk with him about it. And then so, (laughs) but that's this idea of um, the same culture being produced over and over again. You know, we're we're Mm -hmm. making movies and TV shows. And even when something's futuristic, it's still um, referencing something that happened already. Music doesn't sound futuristic anymore. It sounds like, oh, no, I'm listening to an 80s inspired song, this kind of thing. So I think about the different and I haven't I have have no theoretical anything other than just some listening to stuff. How hard is it to take care of yourself in a culture where you're supposed to be happy? Right. So there's this thing happy. Why aren't you happy? Are Are you dating anybody? Are you overweight or whatever? Someone thinks you shouldn't be. Um, and you're wrestling with all those things and you have the, you have the impact of the internet. So before snake oil salesman had to, you know, drive the town to town, <laughs> this is my snake oil. Do you want some snake oil? Yeah, it's great. No, get out of here. Snake oil, man. You know, I think about the ways in which communities don't exist anymore, where you might've had somebody down the street who was a, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, a midwife or someone who worked herbs or, you know, you just, these self-contained mm-hmm. communities that in some cases obviously were about race and all of that, but mm-hmm. you knew more people maybe, you know, or you could have access to certain things. I don't think my father thought of happiness the way I think of happiness. I'm almost sure of it. Mm-hmm. I'm almost completely sure of it. His, um, if I, and I'm still p- thinking about this, about what animated my father to come North and then to move out to or plan to move out west. And he got married in Toledo mm-hmm. and decided to stay there. But there was this idea of escaping the farm and the south. But happiness wasn't just that. It was all this other stuff, too. But it didn't come the way in the late 50s, the way it came from me in, this, in the coming of age in the 70s, where everything was supposed to be available to you. Everything. And then the Internet made it. You know, two, two decades later, we could just download songs. I didn't have to look at Travis and go to his record store and have the certain kinds of interactions that Travis would like, oh, if you mm. like this guy, you're going to like this. Now, mm. Apple Music is trying to tell me how to, you know. <laughs> anyway, mm. I'm all over the place. But what I'm saying is this idea of happiness a thread. feels very yeah. um, slippery. And I had a conversation with my friend Carla a couple years ago. And we we're like, fuck being happy. I want to be present. I want to do something that's a little bit more substantial because happy seems like a treadmill. You can never, ever, ever get to it, mm-hmm. ever, ever, ever get to it. Because if you are keeping track, the things you thought might make you happy, maybe for a couple minutes, maybe not. But happy feels like it feels like it's an un- uh, it feels unnecessary to me. If you want to be an evolved, thought- thoughtful 
caring person. Yeah. Do you know? If it, yeah, if if I can do the same thing for happiness though. So I okay. think happiness gets a bad rap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, when when they, you know, when the the founding fathers were formulating um the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You know, these are pretty they'd studied their their history pretty closely uh-huh. and you know <coughs> happiness wasn't our conception of of happiness mm. at least in its philosophical underpinnings i'm not saying individually i mean you know whatever they may have been just as shallow as the next person but i'm saying in the formulation you know they were talking about aristotle and eudaimonia which Hold is on. which isn't just hap- <clears throat> excuse me isn't happiness in the sense of like we're describing it, I think, accurately for how it's talked about in in American culture. Mm. It was human flourishing, you know, good spirit. So to be mm-hmm. to be filled with the daemon was like to 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 be to flourish as as a person and as a human. Mm-hmm. And that did not that that was not necessarily uh, synonymous with pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. it, it was, it was not, syno- it was not synonymous with a shallow feeling. Okay. Uh, it was not synonymous with the absence of struggle. Right. Right. Um, right. It was, it, it, all of those things were part of human flourishing. We're all, we're all part of the conception through the centuries of what eudaimonia meant. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And because of our material prosperity, <clears throat> Sorry, um, I don't know what's happening with my voice, but because of our material prosperity, um, it's the most ready at hand thing that we can offer to people to substitute for what actual happiness is, mm-hmm. which is which involves this kind of struggle and this, you know, sort of the strife that comes from trying to engage authentically with our own lives. Oh. Um, and I think that okay. I, I think that that is a perfectly valid way to organize a society and culture. And in fact, an admirable way to do that. And that, um, and that we have in our common discourse, in our intellectual discourse, Mm -hmm. um, even we've lost track of the potential for something like happiness in a, in a deeper understanding of the history of that, of that word. Well, you know, what makes me think of is when the, um, writers of the declaration of independence were sitting down to their task that they didn't have a, they didn't have a good editor on hand. I would have, I would have, wow! I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have. The like, humility wafting off of you at this moment. I would have, I would have awesome. bracketed out. I yes. would have bracketed out That's pursuit awesome. of happiness and like you know question and be like eh, word choice, guys. Like come on, think about this. No, but what I'm saying in, is in, in an 18th in an 18th century context. No, I this know. is what they would have understood. No, 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 I get it. No, I get it. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have predicted our 21st century ignorance. No, I know. No, no, I get it. I get it. But uh, well, I, I think ignorance is a little, a teeny bit judgmental, Travis. Like, I, it, it was, it was intentionally pointed. No, no, no. I was doing that on purpose. Okay. It, was, it, was, it was meant to be funny. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, I, I was, I was <laughs> no, no. I was, I was trying to be funny. Okay. I, um, you know, sorry, I, I missed. It was just mean. No, it's <laughs> it fine. No, it's be. fine. It's fine. It's just that I do think that there's a way in which. And you're not meaning to do this, but this happens in the discourse around the founding fathers and uh, mm-hmm. uh, writers of the um, of the Constitution 
um, and the Declaration of Independence, there's this way in which in U.S. American culture, they are highly fetishized. Like, I mean, mm. these guys are beyond heroes. I mean, they can really, they're deified. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, there's a way in which the Constitution is often, at least in more conservative circles, is often talked about like it's this sort of inviolable, inviolable text. Like it's almost like the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I well, that's that's, orig that's originalism. I mean, it's certainly it's a guiding principle in conservative circles for sure. Mm -hmm. Right, right. But I've always, but not I've solely. Right, right. No, of course not only. But, yeah. but mm -hmm. I've always found that really ridiculous. Like I'm, I want to say, did they put the trousers on one leg at a time? Because they, you know they made mistakes, dude. Like I think that the Second Amendment was a fuck up. The way it was worded, <laughs> uh, that the fact that it's maybe even the fact that it's there at all. Um, but man, we need to really stop like deifying these these guys. They're just they're not so they're not worth it. Okay, so I, I have no problem with, I mean, I think no human that has walked this earth should be uh, pontiff, you know, like should be elevated to the level of a pontiff, like some kind of inerrant mouthpiece for God. Like, I, of course, I don't believe that at all. Anywhere, ever, no time, no place. Um, no historical figure, period, full stop, no qualification. <laughs> But <laughs> isn't that a qualification, motherfucker? This is, yeah, no, no. This is all you have to do is listen to after the butt. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm present, accounted, and ready to hear. I hear your 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 context. I just always laugh because I go, yeah. it's after the bus that this person is going to say, I don't want to be with you anymore. You know, you're amazing, yeah. Stephen. I think that you're the most thoughtful, engaged person. You're so handsome. But <laughs> I'd rather be with someone that's not you. Anyway, so right. it's not you, it's me. It's me. Like, it is you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny uh but uh but uh the opposite is also not useful to to reflexively tear down our flawed predecessors mm. who you know absolutely put their their leg their pant legs on or they put their pants on one leg at a time except for the ones that had slaves put their fucking pants on for them mm. like i i have no problem slave people. these people yeah, down to size mm -hmm. yeah no problem cutting these people down to size, um, the men and the women, mm -hmm. and they should not be deified. But they also weren't stupid rubes. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They were yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were doing. Yeah, no, I know you know that, mm -hmm. and 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 neither one of us are. I don't think we're strawmanning one another in the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I do think we have to acknowledge that it's pretty unhealthy, the way that we reflexively want to destroy. And I don't mean to, I mean, literally destroy in a race, which is a, a large part of the movement around school name changes and bracketing, you know, the, the Civil War monument stuff mm -hmm. in the South and things like that. I'm not really referring to that. I'm talking about like, you know, schools named Lincoln, schools named Washington, et cetera, Jefferson, whatnot. Huh. Like they did have some useful things to say. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like they 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 did they did have some pretty decent ideas. I mean, really Jefferson, if you read, you know, Jefferson like sort of beginning to end, you see how absolutely mm -hmm. fucked up he was. Like this guy went through so many mental gymnastics to try and justify slavery to himself. Yeah. Because he understood, especially in his early writings, that there was no justification for it. That in fact, it was an abomination and that there was no way that um, 
that you could ever get to some kind of settled philosophical position mm-hmm. uh, or spiritual position that made this okay. Like these were these were these were deeply flawed humans. So I'm with you on that. But the the reflex to just tear them apart, which I'm not saying you're engaging in, but definitely is something a live wire currently in 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 our current discourse is just as problematic. It's just as dangerous to <clears throat> paint them alongside Trump in like an elevated glowing constitution. You know, I forget the name of the artist that does that very famously. I, I think that's pretty much the reason. I, th- I think the reason why people are, are doing the teardown is that we really don't, we're, we're not interested in nuance. And also we, we it, so the thing is like Dave Chappelle is a really good example for me at this point because um, I can like some of his stuff and still go, that's some bullshit. You know, right. that kind of thing. Yeah, and I sure. think right. that, and I actually am very guilty of a prejudging of a person if I see that they say something that I don't like. <laughs> and I'll mm. go, that's stupid. <laughs> I'm not worried watching a movie or reading a book by the person or listening to that person <laughs> sing again, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and, and stopping, slowing myself down, knowing that I'm doing it has been very difficult for me. Because... I think part of it is that I want to have some control over what it is that I'm thinking and and also what I'm uh, um what I'm absorbing, what I'm um, taking in. And so I think the last the, a good example of that was the other day. I forget who it was. It wasn't Dave Chappelle. It was someone else. And I go, Stephen, you don't know anything about this person. They said this thing here is probably out of context. Maybe it's in context. You deserve the benefit of reading a little bit more and thinking a little bit more about this person. Mm-hmm. But that's hard. I mean, I mean, it was hard for me. I don't know about other people, but I think the criticism I have of myself is that sometimes I don't give a lot of people space to be nuanced and engaged in all these different things that they mm-hmm. are. Like, I feel I am. So I'm like, if I'm going to mm-hmm. extend myself that courtesy and that grace, I have to do it for other people. But I well, think we don't is, appreciate yeah. nuance. We want well, this- the Confederate statues gone. They should be in museums. They should be somewhere. We need to know what the history of it was. Well, I, I want to yeah. kind of work this back towards self-care because, and I think the way to do it is to talk about something you just brought up, Stephen, which is, which is you said, in order to sort of be good to yourself, one of the ways in which one can be good to oneself is to actually give yourself the time to read up on, as you said, Stephen, to, 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 to become more intimate with the details of whatever quote or whatever event or news story set you off. I think that there's a way in which, um, yeah, maybe we're just not, like maybe I'm not, maybe I should just own it. And like, I'm not doing myself any favors when I read one um, tweet and like fire off a, 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 a letter to the editor in response. I, you know, that's an exaggeration, but um, maybe mm-hmm. there's something there uh, in the idea of um, of giving ourselves more time with things that is co-extensive with what we're calling self-care. Yeah, I definitely think so. But I'm excited by the ideas that you can encounter not just about the other person or that thing, but also about, you know, processing your own thoughts, thinking about mm-hmm. how you think about things. What bothers you? What time of the day do you, are you more coherent? You know, um, are you stressed out about something? Are you sick? 
you know, we all know when you feel like you are your best writer or your best reader. You're like, oh no, this time of day, I'm really mm-hmm. good at that. But I think that mm-hmm. what what to me the both not the both the left and right, but a lot of people when I read the articles, the news articles and stuff, it's it's so hasty. You know, the mm-hmm. news cycle the shouldn't be 24 hours. The hot take. Yeah. How, what do you feel yeah. about this? I don't know how I feel yeah. about this. And I'm allowed to say this. Mm-hmm. And I think that taking space not to have an opinion about something could be really radical in a moment where everyone is being taught or being told that they need to have a take on something. Like, are you a pundit? I mean, <laughs> can, calm down. Maybe you need more information to even have a take. <laughs> mm. You know? So, mm. yeah, exhausting. Yeah, I mean, there. you know, in, in a sense, it makes sense... <laughs> That we would do things like, you know, quickly um, sort of engage with either uh, retweet, like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, uh, repeat something that activates our sense of of moral righteousness, right? I mean, it's it's an important feeling in being a member of a tribe. Mm -hmm. Which is important to all of us because right. we're pro-social primates. So we've got to we've got to have people that we feel like are in our corner, and it's pretty natural to. I mean, social media is literally designed to give you a little dopamine hits. Yes, and so mm-hmm. when you you know when you're scrolling Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, mm-hmm. and you're engaging with these things, mm-hmm. and I mean you're you are using a, a symbolic drug. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not a chemical. It's not something you're injecting into your body, mm-hmm. but it is a, a drug that functions uh, on a symbol system yes. on a series of signs that, that you've learned how to think about yourself. <laughs> that was like at a shipping dock or something. It was very loud. <laughs> um, so yeah, but like these these little dopamine hits that we that we get are absolutely addictive. Absolutely, and and even if you don't have an addictive personality and are someone who can put things down, you're not immune to the effects and the impulse of it for sure. Amen to that. Even though I'm not a Jesus person. Yeah, yeah. It just wears you out, right? And then you're worn out at the end of like you you'd go to do this thing that you that you think is gonna recharge you, but really it just it further wears you down emotionally. It just, you know, it takes more from you. Yeah. What are you gonna say so? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean I, I just I wanted to add an asterisk, which is um there are there are those moments on Facebook or on Twitter where I encounter something and it's just heartwarming and it just makes me feel good sure and but those things are rare it's is the so it's sort of like i suppose what i'm saying is that those are the sort of needles in the haystack that might serve as a kind of reason to search through the haystack but but that but that's maybe that's just not enough reason i mean maybe like you know what i'm saying like maybe that's kind of fool's gold maybe may, I, I, i'm i'm Really trying to work through thinking in a serious way about this notion of self-care and what I keep kind of returning to in my head during this conversation is the idea of just looking out the window. Of, mm. of uh, mm-hmm. there was uh, I used to have a, a, a radio show in London called The Thread, and I remember interviewing someone who was part of this group. I don't remember the name of the group. Um, but they do a thing called sky looking, 
for them, it was really important to just take time out of the day to not do anything, to just mm-hmm. look at the sky. Um, mm-hmm. The idea being that take time for yourself out, uh, uh, sort of out of the machine or the capitalist machinery, out of the mm-hmm. um, time typically something of no use or utility that's exactly right. yeah that's mm-hmm. exactly yeah, right yeah. yeah and that feels to me closer to something that actually oddly enough ends up being of utility to me like that is a good way to kind of care for myself to like not do anything not do anything yeah, I mean, the, the, there is sort of almost like a Zen koan, a cone in there, right? right? I mean, this idea of, like, you know, this the, by doing this useless thing, it becomes this precious thing to you. I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, I mean, we... Not to, to, to tap the evolutionary thing again, but, you know, for hundreds of thousands of years, we just, we lived in forests and savannas mm-hmm. and, you know, and went in and out of caves and crossed rivers and you know, chased Buffalo, mm-hmm. looked at antelope wandering by. And that was the neurology out of which we were made. Mm-hmm. And that's not most of our lives. Mm-hmm. We don't no. have that kind of spontaneous wildness in our life anymore. And it can be uh, sickening yeah, huh? and exhausting. Um. I mean, in just the way that, you know, you sort of just described. Now, this has a great context, though, Travis, to really kind of... That context is that we are, again, even generation to generation, we're different kinds of people. You know, we're always engaging in the past and in the future and a present with, like, I feel like I have qualities that my mother and father have, and who's to say they didn't get them from their parents and so forth, mm-hmm. but that our experiences of technology are different or tech, you know, relationships. And then there's some things that are similar, of course, but I, Suzanne, Susanna Kaysen, uh, the author of girl interrupted, which became a movie, but the book is so much better. Mm-hmm. Suzanne Kaysen's an amazing <laughs> writer. Um, she said something about being, being a upper, uh, middle-class white woman who was the only one in her class who didn't grad, gradu- who graduated, but did not go to college. It was a big scandal. And the women's mm-hmm. modern women's movement around that time, around the um, late 60s, was happening. And there was no place for her kind of sensibility. <laughs> and she kept, mm-hmm. you know, ruminating on ideas and stuff and thinking about things. And she says, you know, middle class life can sometimes <laughs> give you a lot of space to go crazy. It w- that wasn't verbatim, but it was just the idea <laughs> right, of the right. space and feeling right. like you needed to fill the space. And I, I always yeah. took that very like, wow, okay. I guess you could just not do anything, but what does that mean in a hustle culture? More hustle now than ever, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, I know. When you think yeah, the thing that I, you know, I don't often think in images, um, mm-hmm. but when you were talking about sort of self care and taking care of yourself, the thing that popped into my mind, um, and this thought has recurred to me over the years, is that there was a period of time. Um, right when I was finishing the PhD and I was teaching uh, Mm -hmm. all these uh, 100 level classes at Cal State Long Beach. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had my teaching schedule during the week. 
Um, and then, you know, but from Friday to Sunday, the time was mine. And okay. Because, you know, Molly and I were married, um, had the baby. But Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was basically mine hours to just, like, read. Oh, nice. And so I would, you know, just sit in this recliner Mm -hmm. and, you know, had a stack of periodicals and books. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I'm a fairly undisciplined reader uh, by nature. So I will, you know, pick things up and read this and read this and read this, you know, Mm -hmm. know, I'll have a few books going at a time. And, uh, and so it it was, it was wonderful. Mm -hmm. I (laughs) I imagine it would be. And, and I can't even remember the last decade <laughs> that I had a series of days like that. Cause this mm-hmm. wasn't just like a weekend. This was, this was what the weekends looked like for me, for us. Um, and, and I sometimes wonder, you know, not in a, you know, I, I try to embrace the sort of a more fatigue idea, you know, sort of love of fate. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to pull too much on the, th- the, the threads of your life because, you know, the, the things that, um, our precious can become unraveled. This was, you know, Nietzsche's reading of how to embrace one's fate. So I, okay. I try to, I try to live that way, but I do sometimes wonder if I just fucked up and made a wrong turn and like <laughs> chased the wrong thing. You know, I like, mm. I saw the golden rabbit and I went, Oh, that's, or saw the white rabbit rather, although that led to something productive, but, mm. um, you know, and I, I do wonder if, if, if the things that I'm hustling for are the wrong things. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to keep it light. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. I know, but that's, that's pretty. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. (laughs) So halfway, not halfway through it, towards the end, I was like, no, Travis, there's no way to make a mistake. It's just, you chose a way to go. And I said, shut up. Don't say that. But now I've said it. So, Yeah. Yeah. No, no, of course that's true. And of course that's true. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is that I, I very much relate to the idea of, or of finding pleasure Mm -hmm. in a space that belongs to no one else, nice. right? I mean, because mm-hmm. that's what utility is, yes. right? I mean, it, it, you to be useful, you have to be a, a tool in someone else's hand, Absolutely. or you have to be a cog in someone else's or in some other system. And that there's a real pleasure in in being of use to absolutely fucking no one. I I'm um, I'm, <laughs> I'm finding myself landing on kind of the exact opposite side of the seesaw Mm. here in that Mm. okay one um Mm. i find that for all the twists and turns of my life um all the times i was sort of in the wilderness that i feel like where i am now makes it kind of all worthwhile like it feels like i am Mm. doing exactly job work literally the work that I need to be doing. I mean, and the work, what I mean by using that term is like what I do with my days, what I do with my hands, what I do with my faculties, Mm -hmm. which almost entirely overlaps with what I do for hyperallergic that I get paid for. But, you know, there are Mm -hmm. other things, you know, that, you know, talks, lectures, studio visits, um, 
catalog essays, la la la. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. All of that feels super worthwhile to me. And it actually makes me think that I have value for myself precisely because I am of utility to other people. Because I am the way that other people read and understand these moments, the accretions of aesthetic production. Like, mm -hmm. I am a window into understanding these things that are happening in the world that are really all about exploration of ideas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. mm -hmm. So I feel, I feel lucky in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, I... Well, you, so it can be both, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly, mm -hmm. certainly, I feel tremendously fortunate to have this the time and space to still engage with the things that I do. Um, and, and as I said, you know, would not want to tug too forcefully on any of the threads in my life okay. because of the things that I value and am surrounded by and bring me joy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, but I do think that there's, so let, let me not say, but let me say, and, um, there is value for me in remembering that nothing that I do will amount to anything and nothing any of us do will ever amount to anything because nothing can amount to anything in the kind of universe that we inhabit and that there's pleasure, value, happiness, uh, joy in mm -hmm. recognizing our lack of utility mm. Mm -hmm. mm. for me. Yeah. 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 That's a, it's a good way to take the pressure off yourself. Right. It's like, like, yeah, it's like, okay. You know, if <laughs> I do, if I do get in that article a couple of days late, <laughs> like it's not, like it's that, not gonna, that's gonna where I go with that. So like, right, right. It's like, you know, nobody, <laughs> made a mistake. no one died. We're all right, gonna right. die. No one's gonna, yeah. yeah, we're all gonna die. Like no one, <laughs> Life is going to be radically changed by me getting this in by ten o'clock on Tuesday. Like it's 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 really it really is going to be okay. And I and I do I love that you do come to the, that conclusion. I think regularly, Travis. I mean that's like a, that's like a through line in your sort of um, existential life worldview. <laughs> um, and, and it reminds me of a conversation I have with my father, actually, where um, I said to him, um, I think I was 16, and he was berating me about something I'd done wrong. And I said mm -hmm. to him, yeah, you're right, yeah, I, I, I screwed that up. I, but, you know, I'm going to make mistakes. That, that mm -hmm. happens. Like, I'm, I am mm -hmm. going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And what was weird, <laughs> fucked up about my father, <laughs> is that he he didn't let me off the hook. He he then said, "Yeah, well, then what that sounds to me like is like you're just not you're saying you're just not going to try hard. Like you're just, <laughs> like you're just you're just um you're just giving up." I'm like, wow. Like it took me year it took me years to um, mm. to look back at that conversation and realize, oh, like you really did not know how to raise a child. Like you really, mm. yeah. That's one of the worst yeah. things you could have done. That's what you chose to do. Um, and self-care, I think, is, is um, to get back to the theme, is, is, is 
part of that is recognizing that that was a, a bad choice that my father made and realizing that that's the choice I don't have to make. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm totally going to let myself off the hook for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm going to peel myself off the cross, take out the nails, <laughs> stay, stay, stay the fuck down. Like, I don't, you You're know, not going to finger the, where the wound is every no, so often to see what it felt that. like back then. <laughs> none of that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You sure? Yeah, let's yeah. <laughs> If you don't get to be a Christian, you can actually just act like one, you know. Right. <laughs> right. Right. I, I right. want to very briefly read a poem by a woman named Deborah, uh, excuse me, Barbara Desasare that mm-hmm. connects what Travis just said in, in an interesting way, it connects with what you just said about your dad. And so it's called Treatment, and it comes from a mm-hmm. book called Silent Type. Mm-hmm. I met Barbara years ago, like in 2006 at the Bowery, and I just found her like amazingly funny, dark, all these wonderful things. And what she says is, Mm. in treatment, okay, 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 your life is a movie, but you don't star in it. (laughs) You have a role and some lines. You ask to pet the protagonist's dog. Later, you run into the protagonist as he takes out his trash. In that scene with the trash, you have the complex obligation of knowing the protagonist is hungover and is probably annoyed that you said hello, but to leave abruptly might be so rude, you linger just so to see if things are okay. They are, and then you walk away. Later in the movie, the protagonist's discovery, he has only a few weeks to make peace with the world. You, your character, is very worried. This is your life after all, and your movie, which may very well end up on the death of the protagonist. You are ruined from worry, can't eat or sleep. You lose weight rapidly and age at an astonishing rate. None of this is caught on film. You are not mentioned on any on-camera characters, and your concerns are never related to the protagonist. In the end, the protagonist sees a white light, and he goes into it. In his hospital gown, he slowly walks out into mythology, while the credits begin their slow descent. And you, banging on hospital doors long after visiting hours, or pouring yourself a highball of Drano, you wonder what still might happen. There are second chances, a flashback, a sequel if you know people, but what have you ever done worth watching? <laughs> Felt up your cousin or burned down a barn? No. You asked to pet a dog that did not bite you. You put your recyclables in a blue plastic bin. You walked on, spoke your lines, considered, and returned to the darkness. That's what you did. That. You did that. End. Damn. Shit. Fantastic. <laughs> That's a great point. So poem. whether That's or not fantastic. you are sitting with a bunch of books with your wife, <laughs> mm. or you're somebody who's like, daddy's life is not my life, and mm. I'm doing this thing. I just love, every now and again, I'll read that poem, and just I just love it. And she reads it 10 times better than I do. And, mm. and a, a CD she has called Adrift. I'm not sure if it's for sale anywhere, but I had, um, I just found this so awesome. Mm. Okay, your life is a movie, but you don't star in it. <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> Mm. Yeah. Can you send me a uh, Stephen after the podcast? Can you send me the the book uh, title, please? Yes, absolutely. Silent. Actually, mm-hmm. could you just send me a PDF of the poem or something? I'll send. I'll do both because I actually had to recite the poem to get it onto the thing because I want to post it on Facebook. So I'll send you both the poem and the title, and um, maybe even the link. I'll see if I can find a link to the poems. I mean, Thank to you. the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. It's, yeah, that'd be yeah she's fantastic. Yeah. Hey, Barbara, if you're uh, reading, uh, watching this, I'm glad you're going to tell you. <laughs> uh, I don't want to add anything to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm fine with like, I'm fine with, with that. SF, feel free to, to add anything. No, I'm good. No, we're good. Um, 
Uh, okay. All right. Well, thanks for the topic, Stephen. Obviously, awesome. So. Self care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be renamed very very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Rebranded. Rebranded. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Um, I want to add, you know, the podcast is over and we're actually sitting here wrapping up our, our recordings. Um, but uh, I completely blanked on mentioning that this is episode 199. And so our next in two weeks will be episode 200. Um, and, you know, of course, we appreciate all of our listeners. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that that Seth and Stephen have been here with me doing this this long. Um that's a, you know, I know it's popular in a, with a certain group of people will say I did a thing. Um, I don't know if 200 podcast episodes qualifies as I did a thing, but uh, I, I think it's, uh, I'm pretty happy about it. So we'll see, we'll catch up with you guys next time on episode 200.